and welcome to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and our show is all about making the connections, learning about all the cool things that there are to do out there, but also getting to know ideas about ourselves, our community, and the world around us, and perhaps gaining a wider perspective. We have a terrific show today. I'm very excited. We have my co-host, Michael John Peace, who is the executive director of Park Square Theater. Welcome, Michael John. Oh, I wouldn't. This is the big game for me, Lori. It's great to be here. <laughs> we're, yes, we are competing with a few things going on around town, aren't we? No, we're not. No, well, you know, Super Bowl, but we are the super arts. There we go. And, and if we're going to be uh, competing with the Super Bowl, I am glad to have champion players here today. Oh, you do. And I have the director, Doug Schultz Carlson. That's right, yes. And yeah. Doug, you've got Pirates of the Penzance coming <laughs> yes. up. Yes. I, now, truth be told, I think I've admitted this to my audience before, but I, I need to reaffirm that I am passionate about pirates. And I am so looking forward to the Pirates of Penzance. Yeah, well, so are we. I think everybody's passionate about pirates, <laughs> including Gilbert and Sullivan. This is a Gilbert and Sullivan operetta, and they were really passionate about pirates. Um, there's actually there's actually sort of built into even that title, there's, there's a joke that Gilbert and Sullivan were playing. So Gilbert and Sullivan, they're kind of, they're some of the big first big really international stars. These uh -huh. operettas were so, were incredibly popular, like hundreds of productions of them running. What that meant is Gilbert and Sullivan didn't actually make any money off of all of the productions that were running in the United States of their previous operetta, HMS Pinafore. Oh. So they were upset about pirates, and hence they did oh. a play about pirates. Next. So they were pirating yes. their art, yeah. and they came back with a pirate play. Yeah, well, in the way that Gilbert and Sullivan would, they're always poking fun. They're always poking gentle fun at whatever's going on in their society. And uh, yeah, so Pirates of Penzance was their way of, of poking fun at it. Now, you had mentioned in the show a couple weeks ago that the show that's actually being produced was the one that they rewrote when yes. they were on a boat. Yes, yes. indeed. <laughs> okay, so there's a great story about Pirates of Penzance. So um, Pirates of Penzance is the only Gilbert and Sullivan operetta that was first premiered in the United States. Okay. Uh, and they were doing that because they wanted to get the copyright in the United States. Sure. Um, because, because when HMS Pinafore was running, when they, were tr when they tried to run their own production of HMS Pinafore in New York, there were eight productions of HMS Pinafore going in within six blocks of the theater where they were trying to run it. So they have no protection whatsoever. They can't make any money on it. Mm. So they decide they're going to open the production over, they're going to open the production in New York. So they start writing this operetta. They get on a boat to sail over to New York to open their production. They get halfway across. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> I'll fill in the real truth of this story. But they get halfway across and they discover they've left this score back in England. <laughs> And this oops. is yeah, oops. Uh -oh. yeah. I, I, you, you didn't only, bring it. I thought you brought it. Right. What do you mean you didn't bring it? So they've got sketches of this, and this is 1879. So uh, it's not like you can fax back. It's no. not like you can send a message. Like it would take weeks. Sure. And their production of HMS Pinafore, which they had intended to run until they had rehearsed their production of Pirates of Penzance, was closing. Nobody was coming to it because everybody had already seen <laughs> right. HMS Pinafore. They were already viewing the illegal downloads down the street. So they got to write this thing like crazy. Now the real truth. That's the premise for our story uh, is that we discovered this uh, on the boat. The real story is that they got it. They made this discovery in New York. So they're madly writing this operetta in New York, and they need to open it. They actually didn't finish the score for the Pirates of Penzance until 7 o'clock in the morning on the day that they opened. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Well, the thing is, they had already done a couple of previews already. So they had already performed this thing for the opera, for the for a public audience, and they were still writing it. So, okay, you give it over to the actors at 7 a.m., and then they have to memorize it by 8 o'clock? I mean, or, or were they somewhat familiar? I mean, that's an on-the-spot, you know, there's a lot of clever lines in that. There are a lot of clever lines. Now, the things they were finishing up at the end was, you know, the overture and okay. things like that. So it probably wasn't major stuff, but we are still talking, like, the modern major general. I mean, this is the song everybody sure. Knows I am the very model of a modern major general. I have information uh -huh. vegetable, like uh, the really complicated stuff that would have come in at the last minute. Uh. In fact, there's even a, there's a story about uh, modern major general, the song that. Um, okay, so they they need to do this actually twice. They need to perform this in New York, and they simultaneously need to perform it in England, so that they've got the copyright in both places. So they left one of their road companies in England with 
parts of the score that they had. They didn't have the whole thing. So they have parts of the score. And there's this amazing woman that I'll talk about later, this amazing woman, Helen Lenoir, who was running this company. And she cobbles together this production. They took, you know, they took bits and pieces of their HMS pinafore costumes. They tied scarves around their head and they said, now we're pirates. And between the matinee. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So between the matinee and the evening show, they sort of cobble together this production of, of Pirates of Penzance so that they can say that they did it in England. Well, they get to the modern major general song and there's no music written for it yet because they were going to write that later. So the guy who's playing uh, the guy who's playing the modern major general says, oh, just give me some chords and I'll make up a melody. And then the story is then he makes up this melody. And now as he tells the story, then that became the melody for modern major general, which is a famous song. I mean, everybody knows the melody sure. to that now. That can't possibly be true because <laughs> it's just too good. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. It can't possibly be true because he was doing it in England and the next day the show opened in New York with the melody that we now use. Right. But it's a good story. Oh, it's a great story. There's a million great <laughs> stories where you're like, well, that's not really quite true, but sure is a good story. Exactly. Which yeah. is sort of the fun of the Pirates of Penzance. Oh, is yeah. It all is kind of great stories that probably aren't true, but, you know, what the heck? Well, okay. So the other piece of this is they were originally writing a, an operetta called The Robbers. So HMS Pinafore takes place on a boat, and they essentially wanted to do HMS Pinafore on land. So they were going to have robbers and police. That was going to be the main thing. And then they got ticked off about piracy because their operetta had been pirates. So they're like, we're going to make this about pirates. And everything is changed around. So you get to the second act, and every bit of the plot would make more sense if those pirates were robbers. Right. <laughs> every bit of it. Like, there's no pirate ship anymore. There's no nothing. They're just being robbers, but they're saying that they're, they're pirates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Gilbert and Sullivan are like, well, whatever, this will work. So, yeah. so when you were um, deciding how to direct this, yeah. what were some of your initial thoughts as you were, you know, envisioning it on stage? Because it is a classic that's been done so many different right. ways. And, of course, at Park Square, as the producer, we had to say, well, what's our version? Why would we yes. be doing it? Yeah. Yes. And, of course, here's the budget. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way. Yeah. So your cast of 32 is no more. Yeah. Can you say double? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the great things about one of the great things about Gilbert and Sullivan is so many people have done it. Yeah. Like people did it. I played Rafe Rackstraw in HMS Pinafore when I was in 8th grade. And I will say that the um the the woman who played Josephine opposite me who uh-huh. was 12 years old is now my wife of 25 years. So. Oh my like a oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe in the power of Gilbert and Sullivan. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So everybody knows these pieces, but when they were being done, uh-huh. um, when they were being done, there was a freshness to them. They were poking fun at society. They were, I mean, when Gilbert and Sullivan came to America, when they arrived in New York, all of these boats sailed out from the harbor, including one that had a full brass band that played tunes from HMS Pinafore. I mean, this is like the Beatles coming to America. (laughs) So the original. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But these guys are incredibly popular and the excitement around them must have been amazing. And the sort of daring way that they were doing theater was was really exciting. And now they feel like now they can feel like museum pieces like, oh, we all know this. We're going to do the same thing that we've always done. And what you want in the theater, what we want our audience to have is what did that feel like the first day? Like, why is this? I mean, the Mikado is the most productive produced play of anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, number two is Hamlet. Mm-hmm. And Hamlet had a 300-year head start on it. <laughs> right. So there's a, I mean... So it's people, losing ground, actually. Yeah, yeah exactly. That cult classic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's also a good play, I will mention. But, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. but these things are incredibly popular. And why is that? Why do they endure? So we were trying to get back to what does that original impulse um, feel like? So that's why we got back to these original stories, like mm-hmm. the, the speed with which they were writing it, the inventiveness, that they're trying to make this up on the spot, that they're coming to up with solutions that there's a company really coming together. Um, and then it's really, the, the stuff is really virtuosic, that what you are seeing performers do in the theater, those really fast patter songs, the incredible music, the dancing, that everything that's going on is, it's virtuosic. It's amazing to watch live performers do that in the theater. So we're really trying to get at that feeling. Oh, so, and boy, seeing the tech rehearsal or the staging rehearsal last night, they really do. I mean, where they're simultaneously wheeling around the Pirate King on a two-level platform <laughs> as he's going up and down a spiral staircase. Uh, and you're like, that is magic, and no one's dying. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's part of why we decided to set it on a boat. We uh-huh. say, 
okay, what's the, you know, we've got, you've got only things that you can have on a boat and you have to make all of your scenes out of that. Mm -hmm. We've got nine singers. Mm -hmm. So this is usually done with 30 singers at least. So we've got nine. So they have to play multiple different characters, including we have the amazing Christina Baldwin is playing um, the sergeant of police and the modern major general <laughs> who have a scene together. Yes. Yeah. For people who know the, you'll go, wait a minute, don't they have a scene together? How yes, they do. <laughs> Virtuosic costume change. Well, we have a remarkable costume designer. Rebecca Bernstein is a, is a remarkable costume designer. So she's engineered all these quick changes and the cast is just, I mean, the cast is amazing. But what you're seeing happen in the theater feels like it's coming to life right in front of you and people are making it up and you're coming up with solutions. So the hope is for people that know this stuff really well, they'll go, oh, I always wondered why they're trying to burglarize this house in the second act when they're supposed to be pirates. Well, now you know. So like you get all of this interesting history. And for people who've never seen it before, you know, who maybe think they know what Gilbert and Sullivan is and they go, oh, that's that stodgy thing that junior mm -hmm. highs do as, mm -hmm. as their musical. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll come in and they'll go, oh, no, wait, this is actually really exciting, really fun stuff. Well, and because of the social satire and the political commentary, it was it's sort of like a musical SNL sketches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but at the, ex the best, highest level. Right. Yeah, but you know what the great thing about Gilbert and Sullivan is, is that their social satire is, it's so gentle and it's so fun that they're just gently poking. I think there's, I actually think there's a real message for us right now because mm -hmm. our social satire, I mean, we certainly have, you know, it, it is certainly a time where we have lots of comedy going on, but the comedy tends to put us in camps, you know? Sure. Um, uh, I have a strong liberal bias, so I have my, you know, I watch my well, John uh, Oliver our, and all of... Our AM 950 yes, loves uh, a liberal bias. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they're all familiar with, they watch their John Oliver and John Stewart, you know, all of yeah. these comedians. Yeah. And it's really, really fun. Mm -hmm. And I think those comedians, they, they do the best they can to try and say, and there's another side to this. But really, a lot of that humor is poking fun in a somewhat mean way mm -hmm. at the other side. And the comedy on the other side does a little bit of the same thing. Gilbert and Sullivan tends to bring us together with that gentle fun. And with that thought of coming together, we're going to come back together. We are. In just a, oh, a few minutes, we're going to have to break for a commercial. If you want to go see the show, and I hope you do because I am so looking forward to going and I hope you'll join me, it's, you can go to parksquaretheater.org to buy your tickets and we'll be right back to talk more about the Pirates. A Weekend to Break Free is a dynamic self-discovery weekend retreat that supports you with self-mastery techniques to overcome stress, and anxiety in your life. Taking place at the Minneapolis Hilton at the Mall of America, the retreat goes from February 16th to the 18th, and you can register at BreakFreeWorkshops.com. Anxiety, stress, and feeling overwhelmed can keep us from fully expressing ourselves and freely living our life with meaningful connections. Our fears not only can create isolation, they're also toxic to our health and well-being. We do have the power to break free from stress. At the Break Free Workshop Retreat, you'll learn Bill Courtwright's seven steps to stress mastery and how to implement each step. Bruce Van Horn will be teaching you techniques from his best-selling Worry No More book. This retreat is focused on you and ways to support breaking free into a more fulfilling and freeing life to lead. Make your investment in you and register at BreakFreeWorkshops.com. Hey, Minnesota, Norman Goldman here. The furniture business is one of those industries that's full of fake sales and false discounts. This is the age of the hashtag illegitimate fake president, and haven't you been lied to enough? That's why you need to check out Habitation Furnishing and Design. Habitation offers some of the coolest furniture in Minneapolis at fair prices every day. No fake sales, no phony discounts, just honest, intriguing, and really unique furniture. Check out Habitation on Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park or visit HabitationDesign.com. Stages Theatre Company presents Leo Leone's Frederick on stage January 19th to February 19th. Bring a little one and cozy in this winter for the charming story of Frederick as he shows us that everyone has something special to give the world. This musical adaptation of the Caldecott award-winning book will delight the heart and tickle the imagination. Located in downtown Hopkins, Stages Theatre Company continues its season in the heart of imagination. For tickets, visit stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. 
Located in the vibrant Lynn Lake neighborhood in Minneapolis, the Jungle Theater sparks meaningful dialogue through compelling stories, meaningful acting, and exquisite design. The Jungle is more than just a theater, though. It's a community that inspires empathy and reflects our changing world. This winter, experience the magic of the Jungle with a duet of dynamic one-person plays. First is Ishmael, in which one actor gives a tour de force of the many voices of Herman Melville's classic novel Moby Dick, accompanied by members of the bluegrass band Pert Near Sandstone. Ishmael is on stage January 13th through February 4th. Next up, from February 10th through March 4th, is New York Times critics' pick My Mother Has Four Noses, written and performed by acclaimed singer-songwriter Jonathan Brooke. This show is the beautiful and heartbreaking tale of Jonathan's final two years together with her mother, who was battling Alzheimer's. Buy your tickets now by going to jungletheater.com or treat yourself to a subscription for the 2018 season by calling the box office at 612-822-7063. My pirate friends. Oh, good. We finally got to do that. (laughs) And it was a group arg on top. I love group args. Uh, Welcome to Connections Radio Show. We are having a blast today. We are uh, we're celebrating Park Square Theater. And in the first two segments, we are celebrating Pirates of Penzance. And we've got the most incredible director who is uh, sharing with us, Doug Schultz. Olson? Carlson. 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 Yeah. Carlson. I, One of those yeah. Scandinavian yes, names. Yes. You know? right. My Norwegian. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He is truly one of the most multi-talented artists we work with at Park Square. Oh. So, yeah. Michael John Peace is my co-host today, who is the executive director of Park Square. Tell me a little bit about some of that talent in terms of stage fighting. Well, Doug is an amazing stage fight choreographer, and he's a teaching artist for us. Uh-huh. So we teach uh, stage fighting to our student groups that come in. It's one of their favorite classes to sign up for because they think they know what it's about, and then Doug tells them what it's really about. Um, and so this production of Pirates of Penzance brings together a lot of his passions. Gilbert and Sullivan, right, yeah. which was his passion for music, dancing, and his wife. Uh, <laughs> his, exactly. His passion yes. for stage. From 12 years on. Yes, stage choreography on. and stage fighting. Um, and his passion for our, our mission of working with students, we have uh, at least four student matinees of Pirates of Penzance supported by the Twin Cities Opera nice. Guild that we'll be doing more than we thought we'd there'd be demand for. So it's so exciting. So folks can sign up to actually be doing like stage combat classes. Yes. If you are in a high school coming to Park mm-hmm. Square, you can do that. <laughs> and even if you're not part of the schools that are mm-hmm. um, being uh, supported to come see the show, bring kids. Oh, exactly. This bring is for everybody. People. Yeah, definitely. This is the theater to inspire. Uh, this gets people thinking about theater in a new way, and it's it's very celebratory. And I do love your your theaters, both of them. Oh, thank you. And this is on the main stage, the proscenium. The proscenium, it is. Yeah. They need that tall ceiling to do what they're doing up there. Because yes. <laughs> you're bringing a boat in. <laughs> we, we are bringing a boat in, or at least we're bringing some very tall platforms in. Yeah, the, the show does the kind of thing that, that only live theater can do. I mean, I think opera and operetta and music, like it just works better live. And there's a lot of the a lot of the virtuosic stuff that we were talking about in the first act. It only works in the live theater. This is not something you can make a film about. And there's an event of it that you're coming in and this event is happening. So I think it does all of those things that makes you actually want to make the effort to be there live and actually see it happen. So tell me about some of the actors and how you work with them to bring out the pirateness. Oh, man. Okay, so we we have an amazing company in this show. And, you know, the, the way I truly love to work um, in the theater, it's, it's a collaborative art form. Mm-hmm. And the best theater comes when everybody in the room is contributing stuff, and especially when you have a company like we did, like we do on this one. Uh, Bradley Greenwald is playing the Pirate King, and it's his first time at Park Square. It is his first time doing, or his first time playing the Pirate King, which I actually found amazing. He is, bo- like, this is one of the roles that you assumed he would have done multiple <laughs> times. I mean, this... Uh-huh virtuosic baritone who's a great actor and a brilliant comedic actor. Like, he is born to play this part. I can't believe this is the first time he gets to do it. But he's also a really talented writer, and he's contributed a whole bunch to, um, you know, to the writing of our framing story and to adapting it. Um, Christina Baldwin, as I mentioned, has an amazing double as the sergeant and the modern major general. And then this amazing woman... 
um, Helen Lenoir, who I should talk about a little bit. Right, yes. I'll sidetrack a little bit to, to good, talk about good. Helen Lenoir. So Helen Lenoir is this is is a woman. She was Doily Cart is the guy that brought Gilbert and Sullivan together, and he was sort of the business manager. So you always talk about Gilbert, um, who was writing the book for it, Sullivan, who was the composer, and then Doily Cart, who was sort of the business end of it. And this these three men who really created this international phenomenon, which is Gilbert and Sullivan trifecta. But there was a fourth, <laughs> yeah. and that oh. is Helen Lenoir. She was considered one of the premier experts on international copyright law in the world. She had done college work that would have gotten her a master's degree if they gave master's degrees to women, which they didn't at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. She was trusted to run companies. She was, you know, she was part of this all the way along. And she was the person that could bring, you know, when these three men would get in fights, she was the one that could bring them together and moderate. She had a great eye for talent, for bringing things in. It's a really interesting story because she is probably every bit as responsible for the fact that we have these Gilbert and Sullivan operettas today as the three men. She's not mentioned very much in the history books, but the more you, you know, the more you see what she was doing, you realize, oh my God, this wouldn't have happened without her. The collaborator. Yeah. The really pulled it together. Yeah. This crazy Scottish woman. Mm. Uh, she was eventually Doily Cart's wife. Um, uh-huh. She was his assistant, but she must have been this amazing woman. So now I want to make sure the audience knows February 9th through March 25th is when the show goes up. Yes, that's right. And you're in tech rehearsals right now. I I stole you away from tech. (laughs) I pirated you here. (laughs) We are in tech rehearsal today. So yeah, Uh, we're doing our, what we call our 10 out of 12. So we will work for 10 hours and have a two hour break. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about, you said earlier that you fell in love with your wife in junior high who was was in the show with you. How is your wife liking the show? You know what? She hasn't seen it yet. I'm going to let her see it. I'm going to let her see it once we uh, once we open it. But we talk about it all the yeah. time. I mean, we I, I can probably still sing most of HMS Gosh. Pinafore all the uh-huh. way through, and and she can probably do the same. It's almost like a Valentine you're giving her. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will tell you. Um, I was actually playing Frederick in the Pirates of Penzance when my wife was pregnant with our oldest daughter, and she was playing violin in the pit orchestra. Oh, my goodness. And there's a song in the Pirates of Penzance that Frederick Frederick and Mabel both sings. Um, Ah, must I leave thee here in endless night to dream? This beautiful, beautiful song in the middle. Almost a lullaby. Yeah. And when, after my daughter was born, that was the song that I could always sing to calm her down. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Because she was probably oh. actually hearing that in the womb. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So again, my connections with Gilbert and Sullivan oh. go pretty deep. Oh, and I can just see it in your eyes and your smile, how yeah. much it means to you. Yeah. So what are some things that you want the audience to know and, and about coming to see the show that, that will give them some, maybe some, I don't want to take any surprises away. But what's your invitation that you want to have to the audience? Well, it's mostly that it's just so virtuosic. I mean, I've mm-hmm. mentioned our cast so far. Um, mm-hmm. We have uh, Alice McGlave is playing uh, Mabel, and she is a, a terrific soprano. Uh, Max Voitonowitz plays Frederick. And so often when you do Gilbert and Sullivan, it's so demanding visit. Um, it, it's so demanding vocally on those soprano and tenor leads that you get a singer, but you don't necessarily get someone who can do all of the comic timing and everything. And both oh. of them are just extraordinary. Yeah, you really have a crack pair there. Yeah, yeah. And then this, um, you know, this quartet of singers who essentially have to play everybody else in the operetta. So usually you have usually you have a full chorus, mm-hmm. um, and we've got four people that are doing all of that and playing all of the smaller roles and moving the set and doing everything. I mean, they are. It's extraordinary. And it's going to um, – uh, Denise Prosek is our music director, and she's – I think she's the best we've got in town. Um, she's phenomenal and gets things sounding really great. Oh, and I have to say, so our offices are on the other side of the rehearsal hall, and so I know there's four people in the chorus. And I'm like, where did those 20 other people come from? I'm like storming in. It's like, who did you hire without my permission? Being and it was just them. Director. Yeah, it was the, the sound she's getting out of them with their amazing talent is, is uh, going to be a joy. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I want to make sure the audience knows is that this is a play I think that you can bring family and friends and make it a group thing yeah. to come because mm-hmm. part of the fun is talking about the show afterwards yeah. and the impact and, and being able to riff a little bit on the different scenes. There's some some shows that I think are nice for a couple to go to. And yeah, Pirates of Penzance is a great date night, especially Valentine's Day time. But think about bringing the whole family, bringing friends, bringing a group yeah. that would um, kind of rally and, and it kind of kick off a party for yourselves. Yeah. Well, and it's also the kind of play that it's the kind of piece that 
if you if you have people that you know that you are worried they might not enjoy being in the theater, everybody's going to enjoy yeah. being in this yeah. one. Yeah. It's fast. It's fun. The tunes are catchy. It's just, it's really fun. So to go to uh, the website, why don't you give it to us? Parksquaretheater.org. Buy your tickets. Buy your tickets now because this might sell out. So. Oh, this is going to be our Christmas carol, so that's what we're hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back after a few short announcements. Stages Theatre Company is dedicated to creating a space where diverse opinions, courageous dialogue, and community engagement is not only valued, but vital to our shared artistic and educational success. Stages Theatre Company creates a welcoming home for all. For over 30 years, Stages has supported quality theater programming for children. Stages gives opportunities for youth to be on stage, backstage, in the audience, and in the classroom. Whether you come to see a show, enroll a young person in a workshop, or benefit from their outreach programs in the community, Stages brings art to life. Learn about Stages Theater by going to stagestheater.org and become part of the magic of live theater by taking your family to an amazing show or enrolling someone you love in an education program. Stages Theater Company operates out of the Hopkins Center for the Arts, located in Main Street in the heart of downtown Hopkins. For more information on Stages Theater, go to stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. A Weekend to Break Free is a dynamic self-discovery weekend retreat that supports you with self-mastery techniques to overcome stress, and anxiety in your life. Taking place at the Minneapolis Hilton at the Mall of America, the retreat goes from February 16th to the 18th, and you can register at BreakFreeWorkshops.com. Anxiety, stress, and feeling overwhelmed can keep us from fully expressing ourselves and freely living our life with meaningful connections. Our fears not only can create isolation, they're also toxic to our health and well-being. We do have the power to break free from stress. At the Break Free Workshop Retreat, you'll learn Bill Courtwright's seven steps to stress mastery and how to implement each step. Bruce Van Horn will be teaching you techniques from his best-selling Worry No More book. This retreat is focused on you and ways to support breaking free into a more fulfilling and freeing life to lead. Make your investment in you and register at BreakFreeWorkshops.com. Our Twin Cities culinary scene has a lot to celebrate, and that's just what we're going to do on February 25th at the Pantages Theater. The Charlie Awards is the local culinary version of the Academy Awards for the Twin Cities restaurant industry. Proceeds from the event go to Open Arms, a nonprofit that delivers healthy, made-from-scratch meals to people with life-threatening illnesses. Your ticket to the award ceremony is also your passport to the after-party, with food, drinks, entertainment, and a chance to hobnob with the current and previous Charlie's winners. Following on the heels of the Charlie's, just two weeks later on March 12th, a VIP reception and dinner will be held at Open Arms. So mark your calendars, February 25th for the awards and after party, and March 12th for the VIP event. To buy tickets, go to info at charliesexceptional.com and be sure to check out the fun on our website, charliesexceptional.com. With your AM950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today, a total accumulation of about one inch of snow is expected. High near 20. Tonight, a low of around negative 2, with wind chills as low as negative 16. Sunday, mostly cloudy, with highs near 5. Wind chill values as low as negative 20. Eat local Minnesota's restaurant of the week is Common Roots Cafe. At Common Roots Cafe, they serve handcrafted food made with the best local and organic ingredients available. Common Roots Cafe is located at 2558 Lindell Avenue South in Minneapolis. For the full menu, check out commonrootscafe.com. where we're talking about super arts. We are indeed. <laughs> we're talking Park Square Theater, and I have Michael John Peace, who's the executive director and my co-host for our show today. Oh, what a pleasure to be here. I always enjoy when you're able to join us on air and uh, talk about good things that are happening at Park Square. Yes, indeed. And we are about to announce our 44th producing season as Park Square Theater. Are we part of the, you know, a first announcement? You are getting inside scoop today. Oh, um, Connections loves being yeah. on the cutting edge. And in the great <laughs> circle of life, it's also the last season that our artistic director, Richard Cook, mm. has planned. Mm. Uh, he retires on his birthday, September 1st of this year, yeah. uh, after a career of 43 years with Park Square. Brilliant. He yeah. was there from the very beginning. He was. It was founded by Paul Matthey, uh, and then 
then part, uh, Richard was hired along with his husband to uh, – Stephen Lockwood directed Much Ado About Nothing, and he brought uh, Richard in to do the sets, lights, and costumes. Wow. Uh, so – and what was amazing about that first season – so we were in an 88-seat walk-up in the Park Square Court Building, where the name came from. Lower Town. Yep, in Lower yeah. Town, St. Paul. And that room is still there, and that is where the State Arts Board meets <sighs> to dole out the millions of dollars in grants uh. from the Legacy Fund. Uh, so it's always very fun to write that grant and say where the room you are reading this in was where Park Square started in the history section of the grant. But that very first season that he directed in, he did Much Ado About Nothing. So it obviously included a classic, yep. which is still part of our staple and has grown into this huge education program. Uh, it included a world premiere that was uh, very controversial uh, about Lady what? Godiva, and she was uh-huh. actually – not clothed, <gasps> uh, you oh, know, exciting. exactly. I had no uh, idea. So that, you know, and that, I'm a horse fan. Right. So, was, oh. so, so that element of the brand new uh, <laughs> and the potentially challenging is yeah. still a part of our programming in, in the coming just season. Right yep. And there was an American classic. And so it's, it's just fun to see um, how far we've come. Right, uh-huh. with the brand. So it's very fun. But yes, the, the coming season, so there are still season tickets available for the season we're in. Plenty of shows yep. going on, including Pirates of Penzance. Um, but I, what I love about the season that we're uh, about to announce for 1819 is that it does several things that we value at Park Square. So, of course, uh, it's we're looking for projects and ways of producing work that really honors our commitment to equity, diversity, and inclusion. And inclusion, sometimes we can hear that and say, oh, that means people other than me. It's like, no, it's theater for you, yes, you. Mm -hmm. So it's everybody in the fold. Everybody's welcome at the table. And And we were really working this year Mm -hmm. very hard on increasing our gender parity. And so the whole, um, it's time, it's like we are right there. We have woman characters front and center, projects written, directed, produced, shaped by women. Uh, So, which is, again, it's for men, it's a season for you too. Yeah, to celebrate. <laughs> but, but you know, I think it's important, especially in the Me Too. Mm-hmm. I, I've been in several of the shows we've been looking at Me Too is not just staying as a victim, but what is Me Too meaning at coming to the leadership table and supporting right. and collaborating? What's Me Too in being in shows and, and directing them and leading them? Right. And so our two stages in 1819 are really women front and center helping us shape the narrative oh, and having the conversation. And of course, it's got the dash of history. So um, a, a couple. I'm going to talk about a couple shows in particular okay. um, before the whole announcement. And one that I just fell in love with, this will be the Midwest premiere and second production of a brand new show called The Agitators. And I, so just think about that. I think your audience are agitators, right? We are. Yep. And we relish so it and we, we celebrate it. Here you go. Here's your call to arms. There it we is are. A, it is written by Matt Smart and it was workshopped at the Playwright Center. Um, and then it had its world premiere at Jiva Theater in Rochester, New York last November. And it is the story of Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass <gasps> and their 40-some year friendship, and they agitated each other and the nation, right? (laughs) How cool Um, is that? Reading it, it's so amazing how... Contemporary, it sounds, because I have heard in meetings, I've heard on on the streets, people talking about, you know, women saying, well, I w- women of color saying, I was with you, we were working on the Women's March, we were doing the things, and so I want you to come join us for our Black Lives Matter thing. And then it's kind of like, well, I'm kind of busy that weekend, not my story. So this was the beginning of that, wow. of women's suffrage, which didn't get to the Constitution no, during their lifetimes, <laughs> and in favor of civil rights. Yeah. And they were both struggling with who was funding their campaigns because yeah. there were known racists funding um, the women's movement and there were known very active misogynists funding the civil rights movement. And so where they came together and supported each other and where they said, my movement has to go my way. But the legacy of the show where, that made me weep at the end just reading it is – so at the end, and Frederick Douglass has, has died, and, and uh, Susan B. Anthony is reflecting on, you know, did we, what difference did we yeah. make? Did we make an impact? Did we and make a difference? it's like at that point, you know, Ida B. Wells has risen up. The women's movement has become mainstream instead of this fringe element. And so suddenly she says, we've created another generation of agitators. And so it is, for your listeners, it's that, it's that realization that it's, that this historical debate is still contemporary because we're still making progress. 
and every generation there are new agitators that have to learn how to work with each other. Yeah, we may have to talk about having an AM 950 night uh, and, oh. and, and pull in all the agitators. Yeah, to, exactly. Know, and I had no idea. I knew that they were contemporaries, but I did not know that they had a relationship. Yeah, they so really that's, did. That's so you cool. learn a lot about the history without it being a history lesson. It right. really is through their their life together. Yeah. Oh, I am so looking forward to that um, one. And then another. So that's going to be directed by Signe Haraday, who is oh. directing our current production of Cardboard Piano. Uh, and then a show that actually we're so excited we get to partner with Girl Friday Productions again uh, on Thornton Wilder's great American classic, The Skin of Our Teeth. <gasps> I love that show. I know. <laughs> Isn't it perfect <laughs> for right seen, now? Yes. Yes. It is. And they are – so Girl Friday really specializes in those large cast ensemble pieces. And Kirby, as a producer and an actress and a director, talk about a strong woman in, <laughs> yes. in Minnesota theater that doesn't get recognized. And I think part of her, her company sort of comes out of the shadows every other year or so. Okay. So they did Idiot's Delight on our boss stage um, last year. And so we got – it's like, no, you got to come back. <laughs> we can't wait, Kirby. You've got to come back. Uh, um and it is – she is just one of the masters at Thornton Wilder's comedy. And it's very gentle comedy. And the skin of our teeth, for those of you who don't know, so the Antrobus family, proudly married for 5,000 years uh, with two perfect children, of course, uh, and their maid, Sabine, the ageless vamp. And so they, it, it is this testament to human resilience. How they go through the ice age and wars and, it's and the wacky, stock market and it's cap, wild. right? And Sabine comes out in the audience and is like, "What is going on up there with these people?" <laughs> so it's it's again very theatrical, uh-huh. very uh-huh. inventive, but it's a classic, and it's it it's always relevant. But right now, it feels like we need someone to remind us we'll, well get through this. Well, and it's <laughs> insane, and it's and and being able to take a moment to go, why and what and how, and every day it seems like I'm I'm saying that to the television set when I'm watching my beloved. MSNBC. What? Why? Seriously? Right. So in very different ways, both of the shows that I'm talking about today in that upcoming season really remind us of how we get from one generation to the next and we pass on a legacy of resilience and we do make progress. And we do get through it. Yeah. I love that. That's another theme of the whole 1819 season as I sit back and really look at the shows again is that they really are that taste of how we as humans – help each other become our best. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the best is we're going to get through it, right? And sometimes it's we're going to really make change. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, you know, maybe all your dreams don't get realized, but what became better about you through the endeavor? And so whether it's just kind of a a wacky comedy like Mm -hmm. Skin of Our Teeth um, or a musical or uh, because we have a world premiere musical coming in 1819 as well, um, that's a thread that goes through all of it that I just think is why we want to gather in a room together and share these stories. Absolutely. When I hear you talk about it, I've talked to some friends that don't have hope anymore. Oh, sure. That that just feel like this is a hopeless situation and that, you know, we're doomed to be, you know, uh, losing democracy mm-hmm. as a real possibility. And to know that there's a place that we can go and gather together and have hope together, mm-hmm. I think is really important. And to be able to know that transformation can occur. Oh, Yeah. Oh, exactly. And, and and that through sometimes pain and things not going the way that we want to, a different kind of outcome that we didn't imagine could come out of it. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that's powerful stuff. And oh, I think yeah. it's about being connected too. It's not just, you know, singularly watching uh, a technology on your smartphone or whatnot. I think there's something about being with other people, living, breathing in an artistic environment where art is taking place in that moment. Oh, for sure. I was. Uh, I finally made it to the Star Wars movie, right? <laughs> yes, so good, good. there were I only seven Wars, of us in the <laughs> audience as opposed to over Christmas when uh, we would have had to buy three days in advance. Yes. <laughs> but watching the half hour of trailers of, you know, great movies. So all uh-huh. the CGI, all of this technology, yeah. and all the the stories, right, are battling the evil empire, right, no matter whether it's Laura Croft or mm-hmm. Star Wars. Right. Um, so there's definitely that thread um, that of where society is right now. But it also struck me, as fun as all that is, it is really so important. Like, let's get to a human story about real people doing real stuff mm-hmm. um, and how we, how we get through it together and have a lot of fun, right? Because right. you have to have fun on the journey. And I think Richard Cook is our... Um, secondary founder and an artistic director since 1980, uh, you know, he gave up a good $13 an hour union job to become our artistic director. That was real money back then. Um, 
that's one of his legacies to us is that if you have a, if you're not leaving the theater proud to be human and really energized uh, about what's in front of you mm-hmm. and the people you just met, mm-hmm. um, then then he always says, "Then I failed you." I'm like, "Well, bitch, you haven't because it's been 43 years of these stories that do that." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know in the next segment we're coming down to the end mm-hmm. of this one. We're going to talk uh, more about the cardboard piano. Oh yeah, which. Uh, I loved how love and violence were just right next to each other and and navigating that. I did feel like a better person leaving, but filled with questions right. and filled with um, how we deal with that light and dark within us mm-hmm. and what does that bring out. And I, I love – there was nothing preachy about this. It was totally experiential to, to imagine – um, ourselves in this environment. And in our next segment, we're going to talk more about Cardboard Piano. I was very moved. You also had the Center for Victims of Torture um, speak, and I was so moved that next week we're going to do a deeper dive with the Center. Oh, that's going to be so oh, wonderful. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward. Because it, it helps to create that context. It really does. And I think another part of Richard's legacy as artistic director is that sense of how do we take these plays and connect with the community. Mm -hmm. And how do you, you know, when we all have a laugh a minute experience, how healing Mm -hmm. that is, and you can talk and reflect on that. But then shows like Cardboard Piano that have always been part of our uh, programming are those shows where maybe you're totally silent through the production and then you can't stop talking afterwards. Although there were moments when I would be starting to laugh and then gasp. Right. Because you laugh and then all of a sudden it's not funny and yet there's a dark uh, humor and then fear and anxiety. I mean, it all comes together in a very passionate way. Yeah, because theater is emotion on stage, and yeah. that's and it's palpable. So it's, it's fun to gather. So I want to make sure that the audience knows to uh, go see the show right now, Cardboard Piano. Uh, is there a, a discount that we'll talk about in the there next segment? There is. Or so do you have, if you have it now? Uh, we'll talk about it the next segment. Next segment? So okay. come back for the big reveal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll get discounts for AM 950 folks to come see the show. I highly recommend it. Uh, I was very moved by it. Park Square Theater org is where you can buy your tickets. Um, it's it's only running for another couple weeks till February 18th. So you got to go see it now. And we'll be right back after a few short minutes to talk some more about it. A weekend to break free is a dynamic self-discovery weekend retreat that supports you with self-mastery techniques to overcome stress and anxiety in your life. Taking place at the Minneapolis Hilton at the Mall of America, the retreat goes from February 16th to the 18th, and you can register at BreakFreeWorkshops.com. Anxiety, stress, and feeling overwhelmed can keep us from fully expressing ourselves and freely living our life with meaningful connections. Our fears not only can create isolation, they're also toxic to our health and well-being. We do have the power to break free from stress. At the Break Free Workshop Retreat, you'll learn Bill Courtright's seven steps to stress mastery and how to implement each step. Bruce Van Horn will be teaching you techniques from his best-selling Worry No More book. This retreat is focused on you and ways to support breaking free into a more fulfilling and freeing life to lead. Make your investment in you and register at BreakFreeWorkshops.com. Our Twin Cities culinary scene has a lot to celebrate. That's just what we're going to do on February 25th at the Pantages Theater. The Charlie Awards is the local culinary version of the Academy Awards for the Twin Cities restaurant industry. Proceeds from the event go to Open Arms, a nonprofit that delivers healthy, made-from-scratch meals to people with life-threatening illnesses. Your ticket to the award ceremony is also your passport to the after-party with food, drinks, entertainment, and a chance to hobnob with the current and previous Charlie's winners. Following on the heels of the Charlies, just two weeks later on March 12th, a VIP reception and dinner will be held at Open Arms. So mark your calendars, February 25th for the awards and after party, and March 12th for the VIP event. To buy tickets, go to info at charliesexceptional.com, and be sure to check out the fun on our website, charliesexceptional.com. 
Stages Theatre Company presents Leo Leone's Frederick on stage January 19th to February 19th. Bring a little one and cozy in this winter for the charming story of Frederick as he shows us that everyone has something special to give the world. This musical adaptation of the Caldecott award-winning book will delight the heart and tickle the imagination. Located in downtown Hopkins, Stages Theatre Company continues its season in the heart of imagination. For tickets, visit stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. I'm Dr. Vladimir von Surikov, director of the Museum of Russian Art. The museum is currently showing 40 works from the Vladimir School of Painting, which emerged in the 1960s in a town east of Moscow called Vladimir. No doubt you'll be stunned by the colorful and sometimes familiar paintings of this historic and traditional region of Russia. It's well worth the trip to the easiest museum to get to in Minneapolis. Plan your visit today at tmora.org. That is tmora.org. radio show where we've been having this weekend's super arts it's it we were it's right it's right and the big game is featuring park square theater and my co-host today michael john peace thank you so it's a pleasure to be here with you laura and to be your co-host and since you saw cardboard piano after being so excited about it yeah what was your experience at the show well i have to say I, i the experience was really um I have to talk about the Center for Victims of Torture mm-hmm. that helped lay the right. the groundwork and the perspective for me. So I really appreciated the time to understand the challenges of um, the last 15 years and what what the good work that's being done by the Center for Victims of Torture. So I got the whole psychological lay of the land in terms of what horrible things um, some of these individuals uh, right. have been faced with. Because the play is set in Uganda, and it's really easy when the headlines fade mm-hmm. to sort of go, now, what was that story right. again? Right. Yeah. right. And to know that there were children that were uh, basically uh, stolen from their families and then trained to go back and sometimes even kill their families. Exactly. And, and there was a beautiful story that set the stage for me in terms of a stone, a flower, and a string that they used as a way of therapy with some of these kids and have them help tell their story, not to revivify the experience, but to really heal from the experience. And I love the emphasis on healing. Exactly. And that story was so powerful because the flower was good experience, the stone was difficult, and the string is how, how do you go through those? Mm-hmm. And this one child asked, well, should I put a stone for every person I killed? And this was a 14-year-old. Right. And just having that impact of knowing that children had to be dealing with that kind of level of intensity and what could be the impact so that when the the show opened and there's this wonderful romance going on between these, you know, two young women that are in love and they're, you know, making their their vows and it, there's this charming, exciting, you know, beginning and it's it's playful. But then the show, like a string – you go to the next week. It, it has a flower and then a stone, a yeah. flower and then a stone. You know, there's this beautiful beauty and then there's this right. horrible stone that is strong and bad and uncomfortable and the circumstances that they have to live within um, and and the pressures and, and the war that's, that's banging and clanging all around them and young men coming in with his horrors that he's had to live with and being a threat in that environment. You know, will these young women live? It, it, what is this? What is the triangulation? And they each became a flower, a stone, and a string. Mm-hmm. And each one had their flower, stone, and string that they need to live through. It, it, very powerful. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really just sets up that central um, question of how do we forgive right. and how do we heal? And then how you sit, how you can forgive one act and not another. Right. Even though you're still asking for forgiveness yourself, yes. you know. That was probably the most powerful pre-show activity was that there are places you can go and you are asked a question. And one of the questions, uh, why do you forgive? And it was a personal, what is, what's the reason you forgive? And it, it just hit me very hard even before going into the show answering that question. And for me, forgiveness is not necessarily for the other person. It's, it's for my own transformation. To, to allow myself to grow through it. 
And uh, there is transformation in this play. There's transformation at different levels and different ways of how they move through a horrible, uh, violent um, uh, challenge that they're faced with. And they have to make new decisions based on the violence that has happened and how do they relate to each other knowing they have this history of violence together. Oh, for sure. And then as you leave the first act, you know, there's in the last several performances, there's just often been silence. You know, the audience, it's so yeah. powerful. The audience doesn't know what to do. And then it's wonderful to come back once you finally get the strength to get right. up from your seat and go out and get a drink. <laughs> yeah. we, we have joked about maybe having little communion cups with shots in yes. them. Yes. <laughs> as you I, come out, just okay. like, how are we going to get Tru- through the second act? Truth is, I went out and got a Bailey's. There you and go. I got a shot of Bailey's. Right. But then you come back to the second, because you think at that moment, when we saw the world premiere, it's like, well, where can it go from here, right? Uh, it's yeah. brought me to the brink. But then you come back in the second act, and then it begins with this really engaging. You're in the same church 15 years later. Um, and the set's gorgeous. Right. I mean, oh, it, thank you. It's totally transformed, but it's the right. same church. And suddenly there's light and you're hearing this rather humorous sermon. And so a lot of humor and how daily life has begun to put itself back together the after flowers. the events yep, are happening until, of course, it all has to come back up again yeah. um, when yeah. one of the characters returns to that church 15 yeah. years later. Yeah. And to me, this is what we were talking about earlier about the why leave your house, right? Where you right. can stream everything on a screen of any mm-hmm. size mm-hmm. is the impact. Because when I think of the trauma and the violence that does happen in the show, none of which is gratuitous. I mean, mm-hmm. you can, we've all seen worse mm-hmm. daily, right, yes. on a Facebook feed, is that it means a lot more when it's real people enacting this. And then you can really feel what those characters are going through. You, uh, you develop relationship with each character mm-hmm. and the empathy and becomes uh, something that then we have to deal with our own questions. So hopefully um, your listeners are saying, oh, I heard about this and I must go because there's only a few weeks. And I also have to say you've gotten a lot of good write-ups. Oh, universally strong, wonderful reviews. I can tell you that never happens. (laughs) Um, It never happens for Park Square. Well, Pioneer Press, Star Tribune, City Pages, they all all love you. All the bloggers, yes. Um, This is the one not to miss. So we're going to help you not miss it. We have a special offer for AM950 listeners. Uh, so it's good for any performance. And that is if you go online at parksquaretheater.org uh, or call 651-291-7005. They're not on the phone in the moment, but you can always leave a message. <laughs> but if you use code 2F1, so letter 2, uh, or number 2, letter F, um, number one, two F one, two for one. So you get two seats for forty dollars. Oh, yeah. This- so I'm. It's like short of coming to your house and driving you there. <laughs> I can't do more. <laughs> and, and I think it is important to see the show with yeah. someone uh, you care about. Mm-hmm. And and there are issues that unfold about your faith, about judgments that we make, uh, attitudes of why one is okay and one is not. I, mean, I don't want to reveal too much because I want folks to, right. to actually enjoy the moment to moment. But one thing that you told me before I went to see the show was that the first act – you know, you go through it and go, oh, well, the second act, I, it can never be as good as the first act right. because the first act is so powerful. But but he goes, you told me, wait. <laughs> wait <laughs> you, for it. <laughs> wait for it because the second act takes you to a whole new level. And mm-hmm. it did. Mm. And it made the first act even more powerful. So I want to make sure folks know, if you like the first act, buckle your seatbelts because the second right. act takes you to like – And I have to say, if the – you know, we are inviting people, if you need to leave at any point yeah. during the show to go yeah. out in the lobby and get your head straight, that's fine. But do stay through the whole thing because yes. it you are invited to a great place that we all want to be in, which is where we take all of this mess and this hardship – and say, yep, but we're human beings together and we will figure it out. There's no pat answers, right? But we'll, we can figure it out. We'll get through it. Yes. Cardboard piano at Park Square. Don't miss it. And and I'm sure all of you have had some kind of experience with a piano. And there's some great blogging on our relationships to piano and, and how that reflects a family. So be thinking about that. Bring your family. This is AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and you've been listening to Connections Radio Show, where we like to get you connected and out doing something. So go see Cardboard Piano. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shamblot from Shamblot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get 